You're listening to Retail Disrupted, a podcast that explores the latest industry developments and the trends that will shape how we shop in the future. I'm your host, Natalie Berg. So I am sitting here in my home office. I have about three layers of foundation on my face and way too much eyeshadow for a Friday morning or ever, in fact. (laughs) Behind me is my laundry drying rack, which is precariously taking on a new role as my camera and ring light stand. Everything looks like it is about to tip over. It is this <laughs> just so ridiculous, this scene. I'm, uh, I'm tempted to take a picture and put it in the show notes just to show you all. But these are the things you do for a live television interview. Turn your house upside down. I was actually um, meant to go on TV earlier this morning to talk about May retail sales figures. This is the BDO High Street Tracker rather than the ONS or BRC data, which came out earlier this month. Anyway, I'm all dressed up, ready to go, and then get a phone call from the producer just before I'm about to go on. You guessed it. Slots canceled. Breaking news. Trump's being indicted. Again. So there we are. Uh, I've actually actually been bumped twice this week. Got to try not to take these things too personally. I was supposed to take part in a documentary about Little, but then that also got canceled at the late stage. And uh, yeah, I did actually manage to jump on Radio 2 yesterday, though, and that that was good fun. I got to chat to Jeremy Vine about supermarket loyalty cards. And I'm not sure if you saw, if you're based here in the UK, but there was an article on the BBC citing some really interesting Kantar data about how our grocery shopping habits have changed. And... I'm actually hoping to get Fraser McKevitt on the show at some point. He doesn't know this yet. <laughs> Don't tell him. Uh, but he is he's absolutely my go-to person for all things grocery and inflation. And I definitely recommend you follow his stuff. Anyway, on the back of the article, uh, Radio 2 wanted to explore specifically how loyalty cards have evolved in recent years and why retailers now are, are um, rewriting the rules of these schemes. Because I think we all know, you know, I think you know, even if even if you're listening and you're not, you know, in the retail, but working in the retail industry as a shopper, I think we've all noticed that here in the UK, they have ch- changed quite a lot in, in, you know, in the past couple of years. It used to be all about accumulating points. And then every once in a while, you know, you get a voucher in the mail and you get some money off your next shop uh, or you might build up those points and redeem them for a tree or a day out every now and then. That's that's sort of what loyalty schemes have always been about for as long as I've lived here, at least, which is close to 20 years. Gosh, that's crazy. Anyway, um, these schemes today are actually less about points and more about giving shoppers access to immediate value. Fair enough, because we live in this sort of on-demand era, right, where we just expect to, you know, have access to good prices and increasingly personalized discounts as well. And also, I think the discounters have have kind of uh, driven that too, which I'll come on to in a little bit. Don't want to jump ahead of myself. (laughs) But what we're seeing now is that it's effectively a two-tier pricing model, which to my American listeners, you're all probably thinking, yeah, so what? (laughs) That's been the norm in the US for as long as I can remember. Now, 
it is interesting what's happening here in the UK. I don't think that the discounts um, are widespread enough to encourage shoppers to switch or to stay loyal to one brand. It's more a case of, yeah, you'd be foolish not to have it rather than just genuinely being rewarded. And that dilutes the whole appeal, as I think many of us would agree. And I actually think the term loyalty card is a misnomer. Maya and I talked about this in our book when we examined uh, Amazon Prime and you know whether you can call that a loyalty scheme, whole other debate. But loyalty cards, or loyalty schemes rather, but loyalty, loyalty cards in particular, they don't drive loyalty. I think by focusing on discounts and promotions, they actually encourage the very opposite behavior because shoppers, you know, shoppers are smart. They're just going to go and cherry pick the best deals. And also with the whole digitization of these schemes, with loyalty cards becoming loyalty apps, and um, without the, the physical constraints of a, a good old-fashioned wallet, you know, before you could only cram so many plastic loyalty cards into your wallet. Well, now, you know, the world's your oyster. But I think unless you really have hesitations over sharing your data, then, yeah, you're probably going to be, quote, unquote, loyal to any retailer that has one of these schemes. So going back to Jeremy Vine, uh, just briefly, I was asked, what is driving retailers to make this change now? If you're interested in the full interview, uh, I posted it on social. You can go and have a, a listen on the NBK Retail YouTube channel. But just to briefly recap uh, what I said on the show, I think why it's happening now, well, it boils down to two things. One, lack of relevance. These loyalty schemes were just wildly dated. It's a wildly dated concept. And also, I'm going to be controversial here, but I think customer loyalty is dead. The idea of being loyal to one and only one supermarket is very much a thing of the past. We've all seen this proliferation of choice from the big traditional supermarkets to the discounters, which are becoming uh, a place where you can do your full weekly shop, more or less, uh, to the growth of all the you know, e-commerce players and the 15-minute supermarkets. It's, it's just so much choice out there for shoppers. And shopping habits have evolved dramatically in recent years. But until recently, loyalty schemes actually hadn't changed that much. They hadn't changed with the times. So that's one big factor, staying relevant, right? The other factor, and this is an obvious one, is the cost of living crisis. Food price inflation is still stubbornly lingering around the 15% mark. Now, if you've read the latest um, BRC data, it was promising to see that that is easing slightly. It's dropped a little bit, but it's still lingering around that 15% mark. And even though we've seen an easing of food price inflation, we all know that it takes a long time for that to translate into lower prices at the shelf. Shoppers are working really hard to stretch their budgets, and that inherently makes them even less loyal as they shop around for the best deals. Now, from a supermarket's perspective, it's tricky because they need to, of course, offer value for money, but it's just not sustainable to keep cutting prices. We've seen this race to the bottom in the past. We've seen the price wars. They don't end well. 
In fact, over the past decade, there's been a concerted effort in the industry to move away from all the noise, to move away from the, the loud, busy promotions that used to dominate our shelves, the three for twos and buy one, get one free promotions. There's been this shift towards EDLP, towards everyday low prices, towards simplicity, consistency, honesty in pricing. And again, I think a lot of that is in response to the growth of the discounters. Interesting stat from Kantar. Um, I don't think I had time to mention this on uh, on air yesterday, but a really interesting stat for all of you. Ten years ago, nearly half of all grocery spending happened on promotion. So I think the official stat is uh, actually nine years ago in 2014, 40% of all grocery spending happened on promotion. That's the official stat. I think I was trying to sum it up for radio. So that's a lot, right? <laughs> that's a very promotional sector. Today, that figure is 25%. So interesting to see some data behind this, this shift and the fact that our the industry has just has really moved away from uh, the kind of senseless promotions. Now, where loyalty cards come into all of this, and then I'm going to leave it there, it's interesting because now, as I said, they're being used as a tool to offer instant value, instant gratification, and as I mentioned, you effectively have two prices at the shelf, albeit, you know, the range is, is quite limited in, in terms of, you know, where you have those that tiered pricing. And I think what it's enabling retailers to do is to offer customers value for money at a time when they genuinely need it, but to do it in a more targeted, personalized, and certainly more productive way. Now, some news. If you are listening and you are a retailer, I am going to be hosting a digital transformation event for the BRC in just under two weeks' time. We will be exploring artificial intelligence, which is an especially hot topic this week as Rishi Sunak met with Joe Biden in the U.S. to discuss AI regulation and safety. To be honest, it's a hot topic every week, isn't it? <laughs> Seems to dominate the headlines. Uh, so we'll get into AI. We're also going to be discussing data analytics, Web3, and more. We've got talks from Meta, from the law firm RPC, Informatica, and Mendix. I've been allocated some tickets to share with my network, so I did want to spread the word. The event is going to be here in London on the 22nd of June. It is a retail-only event. You don't need to be a BRC member, but you do need to be a retailer. So if that's you and you want to join us, drop me a line uh, on social media, on LinkedIn or Twitter, or you can send me an email on natalie at nbkretail.com. The last thing I want to do today is run through those retail sales figures and unpick what it all means for the industry. So I'm looking at the BDO High Street Tracker now, and the headline is pretty dire. High Street records negative sales for the first time in over two years. Now, total retail like-for-like -like sales fell by 1.5%. This is on an annual basis. And this includes online and store. Online specifically, online sales specifically fell by 3.3%, which BDO is saying this is one of the lowest results ever recorded outside of the pandemic. Not great. On a positive note, footfall growth was positive in May, but here comes the bad news. It didn't convert to sales growth. Okay, so that's the story, and I'm going to keep this relatively brief, even though I had uh, 
tons to to say on TV. <laughs> um, I'm going to keep it brief, though. Uh, so, yeah, what does it all mean? Well, I think May was a little bit of a damp squib for retail. I think that the industry was hoping that the sunshine, the warm weather, the three bank holidays, including a coronation, I think the industry was hopeful that all of these things would help to stimulate spending. And as I've just read out, it certainly got people out of their homes. It certainly got people to the high street. Footfall was up. That's a good sign. But it's clear that they weren't spending their hard-earned cash in stores. They were spending, potentially, because this data doesn't show us this, but they were spending on other things. And that's an important point. You know, retailers aren't just competing with each other for share wallet. They're also competing with pubs and restaurants and cinemas and travel and leisure and entertainment. And if you look, um, if you bear with me, I'm kind of doing this live as a as I speak. Barclay Card data does give us a good picture as to how the entertainment and leisure sector is faring, hospitality and leisure as they call it. And if you look at their May data, well, they are showing that bars, pubs and clubs uh, spending in bars, pubs, and clubs increased by 6.4% compared to May last year. And also, there's, they say they say here that the extra bank holiday fueled a strong month for takeaways and fast food, which grew by 13%. So clearly, you know, people were loosening their purse strings, but they weren't buying <laughs> coronation mugs and paraphernalia. And that is a little bit disappointing because especially because of the thousands of extra tourists that came to visit the UK during the the month of May. There was a lot of hope that that would help to boost spending. And again, perhaps it has, but just not in retail shops. So I think that's an important point that the increase in footfall just, just unfortunately didn't convert to retail sales. And of course, as we talk about on a fairly regular basis, the ongoing squeeze of disposable incomes is a huge challenge for retailers. You know, consumers are still tightening their belts. As I mentioned earlier on this episode, food price inflation is remaining really kind of stubbornly high. And that means that when it comes to um, when it comes to spending on other things, particularly those big ticket discretionary items, well, naturally people are reining in. You know, and I think that's very much reflected in the figures today. So that's it for today. I hope you enjoy the sunshine. It's going to be, if you're in the UK, we're expecting a very, very warm weather at last. So, so yeah, enjoy the sunshine and I'll speak to you next week. Thank you for listening to Retail Disrupted. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast, please leave a rating or review or share it with others. It really makes a difference. 